Brandon, this week we're going to talk about Star Wars Visions, which is a Star Wars anime, which is really fascinating. And I want to hear all of your thoughts on that. Why do you think that this is kind of an important title? Yeah, so I wanted to talk about this in this week because I kind of think in a very weird way, Star Wars Visions, which I'll get into all of the kind of who, what, when, where, why of the plot in a second, but it is almost a microcosm for what's going on in the industry right now. And I think what we've been seeing throughout this pandemic is a lot of conversation, a lot of heated arguments, a lot of uh, uh, death knells and, and prophesizing doom and gloom across the industry when it comes to the conflict between streaming and legacy media, and you know, streaming versus theaters, that whole nine, nine yard shebang-a-bang. Um, and I think people continue to paint them as oppositional forces when really, I think they can be additive and complementary and help one another. And I think Star Wars Visions is a little bit of a side door entryway into that conversation. Uh, now for anyone who doesn't know, Star Wars Visions is Lucasfilm's first ever foray into anime. And the show is an anthology series. So seven Japanese animation studios delivering nine total chapters, each completely different in tone, style, aesthetic, focus. You know, each episode, new characters and plot lines. And it all arrives on Disney Plus Wednesday, which is the day before this podcast will actually publish. So by the time you're hearing this, you can go check it out in its entirety. And it's so funny to me because uh, an anime is a massive, complete left turn experiment for a 44 year old franchise that can more or less skate by on familiarity and brand power alone if it wanted to. And, you know, it's Star Wars, Gene. It, It doesn't have to do anything different at this point, regardless of how the sequel trilogy went over. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so I think the natural first question from that star wars visions available on disney plus now uh but is it good is it good what did you think of it (laughs) this is this is the first question and it's the most important question and then i want to get into why i think it's important for the streaming industry as a whole uh as an anime you know it's clearly rooted in kind of more overt eastern influence than the Japanese mythology and the Akira Kurosawa films that initially started George Lucas down this path in the first place. And I think one thing I really like about the show, it kind of runs the gamut of scope and animation style. So, you know, one chapter is set on an asteroid belt that's being mined for the fabled kyber crystals, which power lightsabers. And there's a couple episodes that feature small villages that are being oppressed by, you know, warlords or pirates. You know, there's a group of disconnected people in the far off future of the Star Wars universe trying to revive the Jedi Order. And then one chapter has a very familiar sibling conflict echoing throughout the stars. So I really like how it's a bit all over the place in a way. You know, there's younger skewing adventures that are fit for kids. There's more mature stories about the fallibility of the heart and, you know, the heat of combat. And I think it's this very interesting mix that is this eclectic variety of tonal choices and focuses that give a little bit of something for everyone, particularly if you're into anime. Now, of course, experimentation by its very nature, Gene, is an exercise in trial and error. And I do think occasionally the thin vignettes of the show, which only run between 12 and 24 minutes, can sometimes feel as if they're like chasing the storytelling sprints of the anime-inspired series. You know, on one hand, we have 
such external style and grace and different uh, aesthetic choices. And then on the other hand, we have these kind of thin plots that have no through line, no consistency. But overall, yeah, really good. It captures the spirit of Star Wars with its its themes and its inventive world building. And I kind of found myself thinking that it's a little bit similar to HBO's Watchmen in that it feels like a very worthwhile remix from which lessons for the future of the franchise can be learned. And I think that is very important. So anyone, anyone who's into anime, I feel like already has a foothold of interest in this show. And anyone who's maybe unfamiliar or on the fence, I would definitely say at least try it out because... There are some real standout chapters, particularly the duel, the village bride, the ninth Jedi, and even twins. So I think it's a fun little run. And again, they're between 12 and 24 episodes. You're not uh, minutes. You're not exactly committing a lot of your time to something new. So is this the kind of thing that you can watch out of order? Um, I know Definitely. that you like, what was the, it was a CBS all access, you know, now Paramount plus had a show, I think it was called criminal where you could watch, you could theoretically watch the episodes in any order and it would all be the same. Um, that was a situation where the story was all connected in the episodes. And this feels like it's just star Wars stories. So as long as you know, a little bit about star Wars, you can kind of jump into any of them. I would honestly even argue you don't need to know anything about Star Wars to jump into these because they are they are an anthology. So each episode is different characters, different plots. There is no through line. There is no connection from episode to episode. So that helps. And second of all, it feels it does capture the spirit of Star Wars, like original trilogy fans will will love it. But at the same time, it almost feels like it takes place in like an altered timeline because it is so unique and so clearly rooted in Eastern influence and anime stylings that it's more so about the storytelling flourishes and the little specific idiosyncrasies of both the narrative and the visual style that is the real star here. So you don't need to know about Luke and Leia and Darth Vader. You just want to go in open-minded looking for some cool sci-fi stories and some very unique, trippy animation. So are there characters in these stories that we know, or are they referred to, or what's that connection? No, it's mostly all new. You know, it is, there take place in different time periods, different parts of the galaxy. You know, one is, is in the far off future. A couple are in kind of timelines that we don't really know when it takes place. It's just this very interesting mix. And within that, we see different different little stylistic choices pop up. So for example, in the duel, one character has basically an umbrella lightsaber. That's the best way I can describe it. And it is such an inventive, creative type of uh, uh, weapon. And it's it's not like evil Mary Poppins. It's just the construction of the weapon is something we've never seen before across all Star Wars materials. And it's little choices like that, little creative show-offs that make it cool because you get to pinpoint things that are a little bit familiar, but most of it is, is entirely new and fresh. And I, and I like that about it. That's super fun. So are there any voice actors that we know of? Um, are, are some of these famous people or is it just generally working voice actors who do this for their, for a living? <laughs> that is a very good question. I'm actually going to pull up the cast now because it's, it's, it's quite a talented cast overall. Yeah. We've got, uh, people like Simu Liu, Allison Brie, Tamora Morrison, who plays Boba Fett, uh, David Harbour, Lucy Liu, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, 
Uh, there, oh God, there's, there's uh, Neil Patrick Harris is in a couple. I think, um, God, who is, who is the famous, famous actor from Star Trek who played Sulu? George Takai, I think, is, is in one. Kyle Chandler's in one. So it, it is a very well-known, good voice cast. And I think that's always part of the fun. I think that's something that Amazon's Invincible, which we have talked about on this pod before, was really enjoyable. As you watch it, you go, oh, who is that? I know they sound familiar. And you go to IMDb to look it up. And you're like, yes, I knew I could pinpoint that voice. So that's a fun little side quest of enjoyment. And frankly, getting talented people in your cast is always a good thing. It helps the stories. Yeah, hell yeah. that And that's stacked. It's Star Wars by the stars i don't know i was trying to think of a good pun but i don't i don't think that was it i'll, think, no, I'll keep thinking work. about it though it's still I, I'll keep I thinking. It. it's fine i can do better i can do better than that for you brandon so I'll i appreciate keep thinking. that but i i still like that. i don't think you should beat yourself up too much thank you now i know thank you're you. i know you're not the biggest star wars fan in the world gene but you know you you say you watched the mandalorian you've yeah. seen the originals a couple years ago yeah. right yeah i've seen all of the star wars movies okay that exist I have seen them all. <laughs> so is, so is this something you might entertain checking out, even though, as we've talked about on this pod before, you're not the biggest anime fan in the world? Yeah, I'm not the biggest anime fan, but there is something about this that is really cool. I also do really appreciate the fact that they went to, you know, seven different studios, seven different Japanese studios. Yeah. So the, the, the animation is really obviously going to be great um yeah I definitely think that I would check out what's going on I I think the thing that interests me is that I know that Star Wars is kind of expanding their world even more with these new books that they've been releasing yes since the The High Republic series which I I highly recommend everyone check out yeah so so do these specials kind of I say specials they're episodes of a series um, are they connecting with that at all with that timeline? See, that's a good question. I've only read a couple of the High Republic books, and as as a huge of a nerd as I am, which you know I, I certainly am, it's Hell a little yeah. bit of right. my pay grade. Yeah, yeah. To, to, I can't catch every single reference. Like, yeah. um, I believe that, uh, God, I can't remember the reporter, but uh, apologies, but I saw on Twitter that they said there might have been an Easter egg or two or a reference or two to the High Republic book series. So. That, that's for some deeper divers, uh, which I think would be very fun too, but it's a little bit above my pay grade. I, I think what I like most is what it represents, both for, for Star Wars and for streaming. Uh, I came across a, a really good quote from IMAX CEO Rich Gelfin recently, who said, look at Disney's success on Disney+. Plus." The Mandalorian came out of Star Wars, WandaVision out of the Marvel Universe. Theatrical movies is where stuff gets planted in the brains. The reason I thought it was interesting is because it, it represents what I was talking about up top. There is this divide that seems to suggest that streaming and theatrical or streaming and, and legacy media can't exist together. And I don't know about you, Gene. I, I don't think that's true. <laughs> yeah. We've talked about it many times, many yes. weeks. Yeah. So sure, yes, Star Wars absolutely became a phenomenon because of the big screen. There's no doubt about that. I'm not arguing that. But the benefit of these new, you know, multimedia sprawling franchises is that, much like the Force, they don't flow in one linear direction. You know, if theatrical is the source, and I wrote about this on at Observer today, 
then streaming and a small screen by extension is is the laboratory, you know, where new discoveries are made and experimentation happens. So Star Wars Visions is an opportunity to, to experiment and to see based on audience and critic reactions and reviews, which elements of these genre expansions and, and new territory playgrounds work, which elements can be cherry-picked and incorporated into future live-action projects. And any Star Wars fan will tell you, deep Star Wars fan, that we've already seen kind of a, a version of this play out. You know, Ahsoka Tano became a fa fan favorite character across her role in the animated TV series uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. And her popularity grew so immense, so undeniable that Disney and Lucasfilm cast Rosario Dawson for the role in her live action debut in season two of The Mandalorian. And now the character is getting her own series that is expected to tie back into Rebels. So what you're seeing is that the studio can ping pong stories and characters and different beats that work across different projects, across different genres, across different mediums. And I think that's where Star Wars Visions represents a kind of stepping sto stone for Star Wars because it, it allows it to stay fresh. It allows it to bound off into new directions that this franchise, which is again, four decades old, has never experimented with. And it allows it to kind of take what works and push it forward into other live action projects. So I think more mega franchises, whether it be Marvel, whether it be DC, whether it be Harry Potter, need to start viewing streaming as, as a development ground, you know, a development platform for new heroes and new villains of tomorrow. Because imagine... Imagine if in, you know, a couple years, the Mandalorian shows up in a Star Wars movie, people are going to lose their fucking minds because he has become this huge sensation on the small screen because the Mandalorian is the closest thing we've gotten to Game of Thrones in terms of monolithic weekly TV appointment viewing. And that is not really, you know, uh, uh, possible when you're only using one medium to develop your franchise. So I just think it's a learning moment for everyone with big IP that's big budget, big blockbusters and tentpoles to start viewing them as complementary services instead of, oh, we got to choose one or the other. And either way, we're going to alienate somebody. OK, rant over. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> this is really interesting to me, too, because particularly with Star Wars, where there is so, so much material and, you know, it definitely is at risk of oversaturate saturation but like there are those diehard star wars fans who are gonna watch they're gonna gobble up whatever content right. you put out and i'm wondering if like you know whatever happened with the past the last three films you know the, this this newer trilogy and and the fan reaction to that and are we reaching peak star war are there too many Star Wars? <laughs> well, that's that's a really good question. I think that's important for Star Wars fans to ask themselves. This is not a shot at Marvel because you know I love Marvel. It's just perhaps a, a navigation tool or a suggestion. I think from phase two onward, and now they're starting to kind of write that ship. I think from phase two onward, the MCU's version of expanding was stuffing more and more characters into their movies. And I think that was kind of akin to only expanding on the x-axis of, of, of this Marvel graph. I think Star Wars with its you know, deep collection of history that spans hundreds of thousands of years across all these different planets, all these different races, all these different kind of subsets of force users and everything, I think it has the ability to expand across both accesses instead of one. And again, Marvel is kind of fixing that with 
with its move into the multiverse and mysticism and carving out these interesting corners. But I think Star Wars Visions represents the, that expansion where this Star Wars isn't just moving in one direction. It is trying new things at the same time as pushing out a ton of content that is more of this kind of weekly neo-Western action adventure style like Mandalorian. I don't think we're reaching peak saturation point of Star Wars. I do think um, Star Wars Acolyte, which takes place in the High Republic era, is going to be extremely important because this, that, and Star Wars Visions finally moves us out of the Skywalker saga timeline, which is, you know, we've been spending basically every single movie in the same 60, 80 year period. And similar to, to Marvel, it's like, I, I just want to blow my brains out at this point because there is so much rich history to explore and so much more territory to, to mind and ground to cover that it feels restrictive and small to only be showing up in this one consistent timeline. And one of my criticisms, which I got a lot of flack for on Twitter of the Mandalorian season two, when spoiler alert, Luke Skywalker shows up in the season two finale was you've, you've restricted the universe. It feels so small. It feels like we're circling the same drain for all of eternity and something like a star Wars visions helps push us out of that comfort zone necessarily. Yeah, I, I think about it kind of in the same, you're talking about Marvel. And I think that was one of the reasons that I really love Shang-Chi is because yes, all of the phase one movies were all connected and it was really fun to see Easter eggs and how everything went together. But at a certain point, all the movies kind of became the same. They had the same characters in them that were fighting the same bad guy. They were, you know, doing all the same things. And so Shang-Chi just being a completely different story with completely new characters in a completely new part of this world felt really refreshing. And I think that we're even seeing that with like fairy tales and Disney characters. Yeah. Are they going to keep giving us movies for each individual villain? I'm sorry. I, I We've talked about this. I loved Cruella, but I could not care less what <laughs> Cruella did before she came became Cruella DeVille. Like, we don't need origin stories. We don't need all of this. Sorry. Oh, no worries. We don't need origin stories. We don't need all of this. What we need is to, you know, expand the world. And that feels like what this is doing and what the High Republic stuff is doing. It's telling new stories within this cool universe, but is, you know, disconnected from these characters that we know and love. We know and love them, but their story, how many, how many times can we dip into that? Exactly. <laughs> we need it to mutate and mold into something new while still sharing a strand of DNA of the originals. And again, I'm not saying Star Wars is Lucasfilm's going to do a, a live action, you know, anime style movie based on visions, but I think they can see from what critics and audience say, well, maybe we should incorporate this sort of, you know, visual aesthetic, and maybe we should have a little bit more uh, old school fight scenes that are a bit more a Kurosawa than these kind of balletic dances of the prequels. And I, I just think it's a learning experience for all involved. And you're right about Shang-Chi too, you know, even though it has sparse connections to like an Iron Man 3 or a Doctor Strange, it is largely a standalone story that takes place in its own little mystical corner of the universe that introduces new mystical elements and martial arts elements to the MCU. So I think and it also hits Disney Plus on November 12th, which was just announced today. Hey. I, I, yeah, there we go. I think we need to start viewing it less as streaming versus theatrical and more so let's use it as a two-way funnel to move characters and stories back and forth so that both mediums, both 
projects are getting ample hype and anticipation and coverage. Because if you tell me, you know, Luke Skywalker showing up in a TV show, could, did you ever imagine that as recently as two years ago? No, of course not. Yeah, course love not. it or hate it, it's a big deal. Yeah, huge deal. And that's not to say I wouldn't expect Mark Hamill to show up on a TV show because that man works. He works consistently. He <laughs> loves TV. I love that about him. Like, but, uh, but as Luke Skywalker, whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a big deal. And that's, again, I may not have loved the choice in the Mando season two, but at least Disney is using all of these different mediums and genres to its advantage to, to build on top of one another rather than conflict and, and be butting heads head on head. You know, it's just, we need to evolve our paradigms of what a sprawling multimedia franchise can be and how it can be leveraged in multiple ways rather than just, you know, viewing streaming as the enemy right now, which I feel like we we've reached a certain point in a certain corner of Hollywood with, certain filmmakers saying some some crazy things let's put it that way yeah well yeah <laughs> i mean that's a whole other topic do we want to get going there <laughs> I, I mean you know it, it is it's all part of the same conversation i think is and that is them viewing the small screen as the enemy when i think it is a development ground to only bolster and embolden their future big screen projects and vice versa yeah there we go. Okay, so bottom line though, Star Wars Visions. Uh, Brandon Katz says thumbs up. Yes, very give it a solid. shot. You don't even have to be a Star Wars fan. You can check it out. You'll maybe enjoy it. It has some really great animation from um, seven different Japanese animation studios. So at the very least, you're getting some um, international culture, which, as you know, is a favorite of mine. <laughs> Yeah, and you can watch it with the with the Japanese voices and the uh, and you know subtitles, or you can watch it with the English language cast too. So I think that was cool to give us those options. Yeah, and then for the rest of the the Star Wars content that we're gonna get, we're just gonna have to kind of wait and see how that goes. But hopefully, we will get the same kind of innovation that it feels like we're getting out of Visions. Absolutely. I mean, we got supposedly we have Book of Boba premiering in December, though that hasn't been confirmed. Well, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope so. So you'll have to let me know if you check out Visions at any point. Yeah, I totally will. Um, well, you know, this was a very informative experience for me <laughs> because I had not watched Visions yet. And so I always love to hear your smart, intelligent opinion, very thoughtful and and measured. Um, so I I take your word as as, <laughs> as very well. I don't know Thank that didn't make sense. I I weigh I carry your words. What's the what's what do I actually want to say, Gene? Are you okay? Uh... <laughs> None of us are okay, Gene. Let's be real. Um, but I, I just your, used, your opinion I, I just, matters to me. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. Well, you know, the feeling is always mutual, which is also one reason I love following you on Twitter at hygiene. And one reason I hope you let enjoy following me at great underscore Catsby. Hey, at great underscore Catsby. Heart, heart, heart. Don't forget to follow. <laughs> and, you know, if you like this <laughs> rambling, if you made it to the end, thank you. And, um, you know, go rate us on Apple Podcasts and, you know. Leave us a little review. Why yes, not? Please. And then just as a little taste for what's coming up soon, the return of succession is upon us. 
And unlike other shows, yes, I like it. I like it. Sorry, what? No, Gene, I, I want you beatboxing for all things ever. Uh, uh, the theme song really just ignites something in me. <laughs> so for the first time ever on Must Watch, we are going to be doing weekly recaps, breakdowns, analysis, commentary, opinions for Succession in season three. Why? Because it's the best damn drama on television. That's why. It is. And um, maybe someone from HBO is going to come in and like literally give me the hook. But um, I have seen the first two episodes of season two, season three, season one. the first two episodes? Yeah. I'm very jealous uh, right now. I can't say anything about it, but um, I'm I'm hyped. I'm so excited. That theme song. There we go. Ready. (laughs) Really excited. We have that to look forward to. So uh, until then, you guys, just keep streaming. Keep streaming. Oh, I like that. Just keep streaming. Just Just keep keep streaming. streaming. (laughs) I can't be the first to have thought of that. It's good. It's good. Thank you. Let's keep it. Okay. (laughs) Until next week, everybody. Bye. Okay. Bye.